Homestyle Green, episode 155. Colab, cassettes, and CNC machines. What does prefab have to do with the future of building construction? And what does it mean for you in terms of getting a quality home at a good price? G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. Now this week I want to do a bit of a roundup on a fantastic event that I went to last week. This uh, was the Prefab NZ Colab event uh, 2016, hosted by Prefab NZ, which uh, under the great leadership of Pam Bell has just gone from strength to strength. I interviewed Pam... Oh, a while back, uh, episode 32, all about prefab housing. And it's just um, fantastic to see what's going on out there. I have to say it's not necessarily all good uh, just because it's prefab. But, um, yeah, we'll come on to that. Um, So a little bit of a different episode this week. I haven't done one just by myself for a while. And I just want to do a quick run through of... The, the event uh, because there were lots of uh, great outtakes and, and great learning, great networking and just some really exciting stuff to look out for in the future. So that's what this episode is going to be all about. Uh, before I get into that though, quick thanks uh, to our sponsors and that is of course Proclimber. And it was great to see some of their products referred to last week at the prefab. Um, they are all about air tightness and this is something that is becoming increasingly important. And don't be scared of air tightness. It is something that does uh, cause a bit of confusion, but it is a good thing. Believe me, you want your skin to be airtight. The envelope of your building should be airtight. And it doesn't have to detract from indoor-outdoor flow. And in fact, it can improve the indoor air quality. The quality of the air and the healthiness of the environment inside your home is actually going to be improved by having an airtight building envelope. If you don't believe me, then... Uh, Get in touch, we'll have a chat about it. Or you can get in touch with Proclimber directly, www.proclimber.co.nz uh, or proclimber.com.au if you're in Australia, or just uh, proclimber.com for international listeners. Now, Prefab NZ, a fantastic organisation, um, CEO is Pamela Bell, and she has just done an amazing job uh, over... Oh, I can't remember how many years they've been going now, but um, they've had fantastic success in the time that they've been up and running, including getting some real-life examples on the ground. Um, especially they had the Hive, which was the Home Innovation um, Expo down in Christchurch shortly after the earthquake, and that was just a really great way... Uh, for people to go and touch and feel and experience what prefab means. Because there's a big misconception out there of prefabricated buildings being temporary and being lightweight and of poor quality. And this harks back to a lot of people's experience in prefab classrooms, <laughs> especially, uh, which were pretty cold and not very nice places to be. And, that, and they were called prefabs, and that's stuck in a lot of people's mind. And so there's a, a conscious decision by Prefab NZ and, and Pam to, to go with the name prefab, but to try and change people's perception. When, when you first hear that word, 
you don't want to be thinking about cold, um, damp, lightweight classroom buildings. We should be thinking about factory-built, high-quality, fantastic, um, affordable construction. All the things that we should be and we are aspiring to to solve some of our housing problems of today. It uh, kicked off with a site visit. Uh, it was a three-day event here in Auckland, and the site visit included some examples that prefabrication is delivering to help solve the housing crisis that we are in right now. And um, what I think was really great about that it was that there's some good experimentation going on, people finding different solutions to the problem of delivering higher volumes of homes uh, in in different sites around Auckland and in different ways, going from a couple of terms that I learned throughout the event, volumetric prefab versus cassette or modular um, elemental prefab, sort of modular prefab. So uh, volumetric prefab, basically you're transporting a, a volume of air. You, you're transporting big boxes. So you create a whole room or a whole part of a house and um, it's all neatly tied up in a in a factory and shipped to site, pretty much all finished. Now, the, the great advantage of that is that it's um, the whole envelope is protected from the elements. Uh, you can do a lot of your finishing inside control conditions inside the factory, and you can pump these out pretty quickly, but still maintaining a high level of quality. Disadvantage, of course, is the size. You can only do that up to... Um, two and a half, three meters wide and a certain length because you've got to get this thing on, on the size of a truck. And uh, obviously that also makes it slightly less economical to go big distances or, or problematic to go big distances. And you are uh, transporting a large volume of air to do this. But it does have a place. And the first site that we went to was a really good example of... Um, the integration of prefab into traditional construction because the lower part of these buildings were being uh, built on site using fairly traditional construction methods and then the top stories were brought along on the back of a truck and uh, basically popped on top of the if the foundations which were also the, the lower stories of these buildings. So there was a whole bunch of units, about um, 10 or 12 of them in total and um, being built as part of a special housing area here in Auckland. And so that was a really great example um, off the bat. And they were also steel frame buildings, which is another interesting twist on the traditional stick frame, uh, timber frame buildings that we typically see around, around uh, building sites. But no reason why that type of traditional building can't happen inside the control conditions inside of uh, a factory or, or even a small workshop rather than being exposed to the elements outside. Also got to see uh, the Timber Lab factory, which was just fantastic. Um, a huge uh, five-axis CNC machine, which was just quite incredible to be able to walk inside this machine and see this detailed uh, cutting and drilling and fabrication of huge LVL, uh, that's laminated veneer lumber. And what it's allowing people to do, engineers and designers to do, is create large span buildings using timber in place of large bits of steel. So instead of having a huge I-beam 
as a structural element in a large factory or a, co or a commercial building or even the, the frame of a something like an apartment building. There's no reason why you can't use timber. And this timber is, is awesome stuff. It's been engineered, so the knots are taken out, finger-jointed back together and laminated together. And rather than timber having needing lots and lots of tolerance built into it because there's lots of uh, uncertainty in a natural stick of timber, this stuff is very highly engineered and very predictable in how it performs. So it's very reliable and it's, um, it's beautiful. The one thing that I noticed in this factory was that we were all reaching out and just touching the stuff. There's something about beautiful timber that is nice to look at, it's nice to smell, but it's also nice to touch. And it was interesting coming straight from a, an example of steel frame buildings to this timber factory and just seeing people's reaction to timber. Uh, and I've explored options, uh, different building materials like concrete, steel, um, but there's something about timber. I just, just keep coming back to it. And, uh, and so the first day went on. We saw some um, finished up for me. The highlight, I think, of the first day was seeing a prefabricated house built by Stanley Group. And I'll, I'll put a, an, a picture of that in the show notes for this episode um, because that's well worth a look. Um, pretty incredible that these guys are doing. They are using the, the method where they make modules and transport these pretty much as a, as a flat back. If you think a, sort of an Ikea of uh, housing, they flat pack these so you get a stack of uh, wall elements on, a, on the back of a truck and they turn up and put them back together and they're creating two-bedroom units for Housing New Zealand basically in a day, a whole day with the decking, um, plugging in the, the services and good to go. Pretty amazing stuff. They're not the, the prettiest things, but they are super functional, super uh, cost-effective and um, just amazingly versatile. And they, they will also be very, very robust as well. So I think that's a fantastic solution and I think that has um, uses well beyond just housing New Zealand. So um, check out images. Uh, I'll put some up there on, if you go to homestylegreen.com forward slash 155, I'll make sure there are some pictures of those that uh, day one site visit there. Uh, day two of the event kicked off with the launch and the official opening of something called the Unipod. Now, this was a competition run by Prefab NZ and a whole bunch of really great supporters. I won't list them all here, but you can head on over to the, the blog post, homestylegreen.com forward slash 155, and there are some images there of the Unipod. And what this is is a pod. So it's a... A small, um, what would it be, three metres long by about a metre wide module. And on one side, it's got all the bits that you traditionally find in a bathroom. So it's got a, a sink, a vanity, uh, a toilet, a shower, and then it's got inputs for a, a small laundry. So you can just plug a, a washing machine in there. And on the flip side, it's got a kitchen. And the idea is that you could pop this into 
a housing house that you're designing, or it could even go. I I understand into an existing house and uh, turn a large space into a much more functional space with a with a bathroom and kitchen. The fantastic thing about that, well, there's lots of fantastic things about this, but one of the standout features is that it's open source. And that was a bit of a theme of the conference in general, was about sharing knowledge and about the new way of designing, not protecting and um, packaging things up with IP and, and competing, but realizing that we're all in this together and there are some great ideas out there there's plenty of money to be made by delivering great products and there's a there's a whole new world uh, that the building industry can learn from things like software and other startups and open source is part of that and this um, Unipod is open source so anyone can go and have a look at this they can download the plans they can play around with it change it and share and create it and so this is just the start of this project uh, well worth checking out have a look at the unipod and it was a great way to start the the conference as well being supported by uh, the deputy mayor here in auckland penny Hulse, who was obviously enthusiastic about that for so many reasons the um, keynote following uh, um, conversation from Anne Farrow, uh, who actually was from First Light Studio. Now, I've had First Light Studio on the show before, um, and they've got a fantastic history with their, 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 their placement. They came third in the Solar Decathlon uh, a few years ago now, but they were actually the winners of the, first, uh, of the Unipod competition, so check that out. Um, but that was followed by the keynote, Scott Hedges. And Scott has a great organisation uh, called Big House, and that is BYGG House, BYGGHouse.com. And that is all about building solutions from Scandinavia. And in the, in the, following the theme of sharing information, I am really passionate about this, not trying to reinvent the wheel, but learning from best practice overseas is something that I think we can do a lot more of here rather than um, patting ourselves on the back as, as innovators. It's great to innovate where that's appropriate, but we don't have to innovate just for the sake of innovation, particularly when there are some people out there who have figured this stuff out and are doing it at an incredible rate and to a, an amazing standard of quality. Scott started out his presentation explaining that it's tempting to think of prefabrication mass production as simply taking a construction site inside. And he showed us lots of photos where he drew parallels between a construction site outside, so people, lots of timber turning up outside, um, laborers, carpenters, putting those, cutting those sticks of timber and putting up frames of building, building house. And then showed us other similar photos of that, and it was prefabrication, but it was essentially following the same process. So a whole bunch of timber arriving on a factory floor, um, people using hand tools, lots of sawdust, noise, building houses, but just doing it under a really, really big shed. And there's definitely advantages to doing that. You, your wood doesn't get wet. You can carry on working. Uh, it's safer environment for the workers. 
Um, they can they can work to much better margins and, and much better quality because they're not having to um, deal with weather. So there are all sorts of benefits of, of using that approach. But lots of places uh, around Sweden and Europe have taken this to a whole nother level. And it's much more like a car factory or it's even like a, 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 a computer factory where there are things like clean rooms. They're not quite to that extent, but there's not a lot of store dust around in some of these factories that he showed us. And they're highly optimized, highly organized. Scott was really big on the idea that anyone can kind of create a big factory, but what you really need to have a step change in production is, is have a high level of organization. It's not just about the machines is what he said. Um, pretty amazing stuff. It's not going to be for everyone. And obviously the housing market is a much different scale in North America, uh, Europe, even Australia. We have a much smaller scale here. But that doesn't mean that we can't rethink how houses are constructed. One, one very simple example that Scott gave was that Take a typical wall here that's constructed and then a glazer comes out and measures each individual hole and then goes and fabricates the, the windows specifically for that hole and, and typically it's moved because it's been out in the weather. These guys actually start the wall with the window. So there's a special jig that the, the window sits in and then the wall is created and that's a standard size window too, by the way, so they don't there's none of this measuring for each individual hole. Windows are a standard size, but then the wall is constructed around that window. And there are so many good reasons for doing that, not least of which is that you can really get a good seal around that window. That's one of the biggest problems we have uh, today with regards to water ingress is how do you get a good seal, both a water seal and an air seal around that window? Well, if you start with the window and then build the wall around it, it kind of takes that problem away. And there are loads of other examples. There, they have a um, someone, in fact, did their whole PhD just on the the best uh, floor system. And their their floor they call a cassette, and that was a word that came up more over and over again during the whole event. The floor cassette incorporates a lot of the building services. So there's cabling going in there, pipes, all sorts. Of, it's it's a complicated. Um, it's almost like a machine, the floor, and they are fabricated separately and then slotted into the the whole prefab uh, module. Amazing stuff, lots of different things to uh, to think about, completely changing uh, the the way prefabrication is organized and and on a on a massive scale. So definitely check that out. BYGG House Scott's also uh, at Twitter. And his Twitter handle is at BYGG House. Um, well worth uh, checking that stuff out. Um, quickly moving on, we heard from Warren McGregor, who is uh, Pam Bell's counterpart in Australia. He's the uh, chair of the Prefab Oz board. And gee, if we think we've got problems uh, supplying to a huge demand here in Auckland, then my goodness, uh, there are some there are some big challenges in places like Melbourne where the the growth rate and the demand for housing is is just massive, and prefab can definitely help out with that. 
It was also great to have NZIA there and Christina Van Bowman, who's the incoming um, chair of the New Zealand Institute of Architects, uh, made some really good points. Um, just some of the highlights. Technology, she's quite big on the fact that technology can help us build better buildings. She also said something that stuck out for me, which was that most buildings are already secondhand goods by the time you move in. And I've seen this over and over again. Uh, one house I've been watching for a while now being built the traditional way. Um, the framing's been outside uh, for about three months. And I've noticed this week they've just put the building wrap on the walls. So what was a bunch of stick framing out in the weather is now almost a bucket. The roof is still completely open. I've put a photo of this on the show notes. So check that out, homestylegreen.com forward slash 155. And um, our overseas listeners can have a good laugh at that. But it's kind of scary. That's the way that we do things. We have been doing things. It just it can't go on like that. It's just such a dumb way of building. That, that house, the framing of that house has got wet so many times in the last three months. It will have expanded and shrunk and warped. It's definitely, as Christina puts it so eloquently, that building is already secondhand goods and it's not even finished yet. So prefabrication is definitely an answer to that and it can't come soon enough, I think. Uh, Beth Cameron, Makers of Architecture, they have an absolutely beautiful website. It's worth going and having a look just, just to see their website. But the work they're doing is, it blew me away actually, um, Beth talked about concepts like mass customization, something we're pretty familiar with in the in the, the car industry. Um, she had an awesome quote as well. She said, um, we should probably go and buy a CNC machine. And she kind of rolled that off her tongue just as it's something that you do. Uh, not cheap, I imagine, a CNC machine, but it is what they do. And they are shaking things up a little bit, doing things differently starting with 3D printing of some of their models at design stage. And I love the idea of doing that so that people can get a really um, visual, physical uh, idea of, of what a, a house might look like fairly cheaply uh, at the design stage. Um, and they're doing some amazing stuff with prefabrication. They're also really into this idea of open source and sharing ideas um, check out Minimod. I've put a, I've put a uh, link to that, Minimod, and they just use that as one example of something that they're, they're learning from and contributing to that whole movement. These guys are going to go place. One of the things that, that really stood out for me with the makers of architecture as well is that they've, they've got a legitimate business. And um, Scott Hedges talked about this as well, that you don't get to build a mega factory like Linbex has done without having a good business first. So it's all well and good spouting the, the advantages of things like prefabrication and saying that the world should move in this direction. But you don't get to, to be big unless you've got a legitimate business model that is actually working. And I think the makers of architecture are going or are doing that and they, they're going to go a long way. Um, Prider were there, Daniel Shima. So I've I've busted, <laughs> so I've just messed that his name up. Daniel from Prider, I apologise. These guys, uh, it's worth mentioning. I'm not mentioning a lot of product names uh, on this show, but they, I think, are doing BIM. 
a lot of people are talking about BIM, so building information um, management, and, but these guys are doing it. They've got this amazing software, Build Version 4, which is, as far as I can tell, is doing exactly what BIM, uh, the advocates of BIM are aspiring to. So uh, I've put up, um, embedded a little video into the, into the show notes. Uh, check that out and you can have a look at it for yourself. Then we also heard from um, Shamubil Ikwab, and he is the author, along with his partner, of The uh, Unaffordability of Housing, uh, Generation Rent. He's an economist, and it was great to hear from him. He really uh, shook things up a little bit. He's um, He likes to stir the pot, and he said a few controversial things in his presentation, which which was good. They needed to be said. Uh, he is big on things like the fact that we have a bit of generational empathy at the moment. Um, and we need to sort this out. And we, the unaffordability is a, is a big issue. And obviously the reason why he was there is that prefabrication can also be a potential solution to uh, housing unaffordability. Um, another person uh, that really blew my mind was Francis Valentine from MindLab. She started out by making the point that MindLab is already New Zealand's largest educator. It's New Zealand's biggest educator, and they've only been around for two years. And in that time, they've impacted more than 40,000 students across New Zealand. This is staggering. Just made me think, what would that look like in the building industry? What, how could someone have that impact, and what would that look like in such a, a short space of time? Uh, she was big on data, and that's where the world is moving. Um, amazing list of facts. I, I was just trying to keep up with uh, Frances as she was talking. I've, I've put down a few bullet points, the highlights that, that I managed to grab. Things like 90% of the data online today comes from just the last two years of information. So data online is growing exponentially. And, of course, that made me think about how much of that is coming from our homes. And I, I don't think it's very much at the moment. But what if there was something equivalent to the likes of a Fitbit for houses? There's a huge amount of information all the t growing all the time now about people's activity levels, people's health. But we don't have that much information yet about what's going on in and around people's homes. But I think that's going to change. And that uh, will be in part to the Internet of Things, uh, the connectivity of devices, just smart devices, uh, lots more um, inanimate objects being more animate with the inclusion of an IP address. So it's not going to be long before we can... Um, log into all sorts of things, not just the, the famed um, smart fridges, but even things like knowing when our doors and windows are closed, being able to control them, knowing what temperature it is inside our house. And I suspect not only us looking at that, but other people looking at it, people who are providing services to help maintain our buildings. Um, how's that going to change the shape of um, building ownership, building services, maintenance, all those sorts of things. Just amazing stuff. 3D printing, she's really big on as well, and I think that's got a lot of scope for uh, especially the concept design stage of, of houses and potentially also the delivery of, of human-scale houses as well. 
but definitely the big theme there is the, the future is about connected lifestyles. So we're going to have to get used to that, and I think it's a, a huge opportunity. Um, a few examples then going on of uh, some recent research done by some PhD students and uh, postgrad students doing some amazing stuff with plywood and CNC machines. I uh, can check out EdFab, which is another, I think that one's open source as well. It, it is similar to the likes of WikiHouse and, and Analog, who I've had on the show in the past. Um, but pretty exciting to see what's going on there in the upcoming generation of, of building designers and building technologists. Um, as with most of these events, there's lots of great networking that goes on and I met some really, really cool people and reconnected with a, a whole bunch of other really cool people. Another person that's been alongside Pam Bell at Prefab NZ for quite some time is Damon Otto. And I had Damon on the show, uh, episode 73, a little while a while ago now, but um, we were talking about affordable housing and um, some of the solutions that Damon had created at the time. His uh, website is still available. You can check out things like Cabba, uh, which was affordable uh, prefab housing. Um, he's still got his personal website up, but he is um, embarking on an exciting new adventure called Tall Wood. And there's just a placeholder at the moment if you go to tallwood.co.nz. But that will be all about implementing some of those strategies that I talked about earlier using things like LVL to make medium to high rise buildings uh, out of wood and uh, using laminated veneer lumber, um, cross lamb, glue lamb, things like that in place of large steel beams. And there are lots of good reasons for doing that. So keep an eye out on that one. Um, great to connect with uh, Damon again and um, other links to some of the other people that are doing some really cool stuff in this space will all be at the show notes for homestylegreen.com forward slash 155. That's episode 155. I mentioned earlier uh, the fact that it's not necessarily all good. And what I was talking about there was that there are some examples, I think, of prefabrication, and I'm not going to name names uh, on this show, but it's just something to be aware of that just because it's prefabricated doesn't make it good. And I think there is a, a real danger in prefabrication that it's used as a means of producing the same stuff, but just faster. And that I think is a missed opportunity, but it is a real risk of the construction industry in general. We are seeing it happening. There are plenty of examples where this is happening already. And um, I think it's just something to be aware of that we can use prefabrication to build quality and we can also provide that quality at a at a affordable price or we can just use it to pump out more of the same old rubbish uh, second-hand goods as as uh, NZIA put it um, at a at a faster rate and that is totally missing the point so we do need to be careful of that and I think that's where things like combining concepts of, of passive house or high performance homes alongside of prefabrication that's where we want to be heading as an industry 
If you've got any questions about prefabrication or any thoughts, ideas about this or would like to follow up with any of the people that were at this event, um, get in touch. You can email me, matthew at homestylegreen.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and uh, yeah, if, if you'd like to find out more about Prefab NZ, then head on over to prefabnz.co.nz. Links are all there for the show notes of this episode, homestylegreen.com forward slash 155. That's it for me for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in and thanks again to our wonderful sponsors, proclimate.co.nz. Um, they are, of course, people who you need to talk to. Probably if you're listening to the show, you are interested in a higher performance home, better than just building code. So I definitely recommending adding Proclima to your team for design at the design stage, but also definitely at the construction stage as well. And also I should mention um, Homestar, doing quite a lot of Homestar assessing at the moment, and that is happening big time here in Auckland and starting to spill over into other regions as well. If you are looking for a, a third-party endorsement or um, some sort of verification of the quality of your home, then Homestar is a really good way to go. You can check out homestar.org.nz for more information about that. And if you want help with, even if you just want some uh, early information about that or how uh, information about how to get your design and your um, home rated, then also contact me at matthew at homestylegreen.com. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'll be back again uh, next week, I hope, although uh, it's a little bit of busy time here at home at the moment, but I will keep the episodes as regular as I can. But for now, that's it. Thank you very much, and go make a better place to live. <laughs>